From bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Every week, the dedicated staff of the Queen City Improvement Bureau make reports, file recommendations, and stay alive by eating the fungus in the boiler room behind the electrical plant. Coming up next, more of us. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll escape from this terrible place we call the sub-basement of City Hall. But until then, the city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, you know, it just it goes on forever sometimes. Yeah. I had this crazy dream mm. that uh, we just spent like, I don't know, hours and hours and hours just talking comic books. What? Yeah. I've never I even just heard. like dozed off at my uh, at my typewriter. I have never even heard of comic books. No? No. So Yeah. How could I even talk about them? Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I'm utterly unfamiliar with like Sandman comics with like works for Alan Moore or Walt Simonson. I don't know any of that stuff. Well, it was all a dream. Oh, just good. a dream. Oh, good. Okay. Fortunately, we have the drudgery before us today. An nice. agenda full of exciting things. But first, attendance. Attendance. Okay. So, our first attendee, uh, we have um, Pandy Luce. Pandy Luce. Yeah. I do not know this Pandy Luce, and yeah. I see no one raising their hand. Well, people want to know, who is Pandy Luce? <laughs> I do. Well, some, well, well, let me tell you. Some say that Luce was the last of his kind, a living legend, one who came out of nowhere and changed the face of his field forever before disappearing once more. Others say that Pandy Luce was a complete fraud, or he may have been... Three or so different people who were conflated into one figure. Or maybe he just was like three people standing on top of each other wearing a long trench coat. We're not sure. But without a doubt, Bandy Luce, probably not one person, but this does not invalidate his accomplishments in any way, because aspects of the world as we know it would not have existed without him. So let's raise a glass to Pandy Luce, undisputed father of the things for which he was known. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Uh, he was known for uh, inventing a kind of uh, medieval version of cheese whiz. Really? Uh, out of like sawdust and wood glue. And what was that called? Chezwaz? Chezwaz. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the Canterbury Tales. I think it vaguely yes. remember that. When, when, <laughs> the Chezwaz maker. When Bill Grimage is going... Eight of shazy woos or shazy woes. Well, I don't think he's here. No. Oh, I am woed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he's here either. Um, and I think I see the reason. I, I mixed up some oh, letters. Um, it should be Paul Deschen. I am here. Okay. And that is me. You're here, and that's you. Uh, next attendee, we have uh, Morale and Diag. Who? Morau and hyphen Diag. No. Heir to the Diag fortune. Started a publishing business aimed to combine magazines with food by actually making edible paper. Out of? Well, here's the thing. 
morale was convinced like instead of like you know getting like sort of corn or some other like edible substance or paper mm -hmm. she was convinced that if you just you know maybe implanted termites in humans or genetically combined termites in humans or surgically combined termites in humans you would have humans that could eat wood pulp hmm that seems like a long way to go to get to edible magazines but morale and i had lots of money huh. and very little sanity huh so how far did she get uh well after years of horrific experimentation um she actually made a big presentation claiming that her efforts were successful and that she herself had become the human termite hybrid who could eat newspaper huh. or newsprint right uh but uh everybody could see right away that she was just wearing like a like a termite costume or like a really cheap one right and she just sat there eating paper until she collapsed huh did she survive says here no well then i suspect she's going to be late for the meeting probably looks like she's just generally late mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god just don't uh, just i just spoke very ill of the dead there you did um oh wait a sec oh, this is a little awkward um i think i mixed up the letters so instead of morale and diag aiden morgan that's you oh that's me okay and you're Good. present oh my lord okay we're doing great yeah we're just blasting through that attendance we is there any other names on that list Nope, just just us. That's too bad because if we had a few more, we could have quorum. Oh man! But sadly, sadly, if it's just us, no quorum. We are we are unquorumed. All right. Alas. Well, you know what? Let's not make any decisions tonight. I like that. Yeah. Let's let's just let's just let the meeting go where it goes yeah. and see what we get at the end. Okay, I like that idea. All right. Um, do you want to talk about things that have happened? Stuff that's gone down. Uh, you know, we do you want to hear the skinny? This? Yeah, let's hear the skinny. Okay, I can't. Yeah, sure I can't you, you, if skinny. you object to the skinny, I can like set the skinny aside. Now, give, give me the dope. There was a council meeting. I knew it. Yeah. 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 I snuck out to it. Oh man. Yeah. You gotta show me how those air vents work sometime. Nope. You uh, really? Because you know what? I'm saving you. I attend these meetings, <laughs> so you don't have to. And I know, Aiden, that if I were to tell you the way to uh, Henry Baker Hall. Uh, you would knock me unconscious and take my spot at those council meetings. And I wouldn't want to do that to you. I, I, I appreciate your solicitude. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so yeah, council meeting. Many things were discussed. It was actually a fairly short meeting, mm. uh, which was nice. Uh, it was done by, like, cash. Before nine. Wow. Yeah. That's it's just a, a few hours. Nice. No, no midnight meeting? No madness. midnight meeting, yeah. Okay. Yeah, things are winding down slow for the summer, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I thought we could talk about a few of the items that were discussed at Council on Monday. And there was also an executive committee meeting on Wednesday that was kind of kind of interesting that we can talk about. Cool. But uh, the first thing that I, I wanted to bring to your attention is a place they like to call Coopertown. Ooh. Cooper so, town. so we're all we're all the barrel makers go. Yes. Okay. Uh, Regina was known for its barrel makers. Yeah. And so we need a whole town, kind of like we were known for our harbors and the landings <laughs> thereat. That's right. But now, Big Barrel has finally gotten its own neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. It's about time we recognized the barrel makers. Um, so Cooper Town is going to be built. 
in the city's northwest. Oh, that's where it's going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And it's huge. It's, it's ginormous. Is it? I, I hear it's supposed to be like an entire moose jaw. So yeah. by, by the time it's reached fulfillment or completion. Or yeah. 35,000 people it's supposed to harbor? Yep. My God. Yeah, which is crazy. Now, they say 30 years to get there. Right. But there's like a... The, what came forward was the neighborhood plan for the first neighborhood that's mm-hmm. going to go in. Uh, there's a larger, like, sort of, like, plan for all of Cooperstown that's been brought forward. That's more, um, that's kind of like a general plan, like, roughly where everything is going to fall. This was, like, the first time that we actually got to see street layouts at the uh, street layout level oh. and things like that. Right. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the need for another suburb many people question, uh, especially since by putting a, a moose jaw in the city's northwest, uh, that seems like it's going to uh, harm our ability to fulfill our infill targets. You mean by creating sprawl? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That? We uh, The target is 70% greenfield, which is what this would be, and 30% infill. We have never hit the 30% infill target. In fact, I think last year it was as low as like 5% infill of the development applications that came forward. Could it be that developers just find it cheaper to like build up these gigantic sprawl things? Is that, <laughs> or more like they, they, or they just like the more money flows in? <laughs> and how? And how? Yeah. Well, you can understand why it would be so much cheaper and easier. First of all, you don't have to deal with like old trees nope. and the people who will pick at you if you cut down a tree. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't have to deal with, um, you know, land is more expensive that's within the city because it's mm-hmm. already been serviced. Uh, and it, you know, it has accrued some value. And you don't have to deal with NIMBYs, people who don't like whatever it is you're going to put in their backyards. Right. Uh, and you don't have to, like, have uh, any kind of, like, broad consultation with angry homeowners who are worried that you're going to destroy their property values uh, because there's nobody, you have no neighbors. To have consultations right. with. So the whole process is a lot cheaper. And, and that's how cities just kind of rot from the core, like, uh, mm-hmm. like a Christmas orange in March. Yes, exactly like that. Um, I, think that I think they've always referred to it as the donut effect, but I think rotten orange, is rotten Christmas orange is a much more uh, evocative. Well, yeah, metaphor. the donut just, I mean, donuts are tasty and, Everybody uh, loves and the... In the middle, there's just nothing. Mm-hmm. But cities, there's not nothing in the middle. There's just festering rot after a while yeah. when this sort of thing goes on. Yeah. Uh, so what happened? Okay, so do, you take a look at the designs for Court, uh, for Cooperstown, and they're not so bad. No. No. A long time mm-hmm. ago, I spoke to a uh, I spoke to a neighborhood planner. And he's a new urbanist. A new urbanism is this uh, strain of urban planning where they look back at old neighborhoods that were very functional and they say, what did these old neighborhoods have that made them work so well? How do we, when we're building neighborhoods nowadays, how do we make neighborhoods that actually function? And so there's this whole like strain of urban thought called new urbanism. And they talk about things like um, mixed-use neighborhoods and loosening up zoning restrictions and... Um, uh, you know, building streets that, like, getting rid of one-ways and crescents and cul-de-sacs, these sorts of things. 
Um, and so I spoke to this guy, Jeff Speck, who's a, a noted new urbanist, and he basically talked about how one of the things that he does is he mostly designs neighborhoods like Coopertown because building a new urbanist neighborhood within a city is very difficult because of all right. the extant rules uh, that you have to like jump through in the very expensive land. So Coopertown actually like uh, dream developments. Their representative, Jason Carlston, uh, you know, dropped the fact that mm. uh, they would be using Calthorpe Associates, which is a leading plan planning firm that uh, specializes in new urbanist communities. So they're saying all the right things. Mm. And uh, some of the stuff that they actually have going into the part of Coopertown that we saw is a big central park, pocket parks, a mixed, uh, this is really big, a mixed-use commercial residential along uh, area along Rink uh, Avenue. There will be a mix of housing types. This is also really important. You don't want to just like make a, a neighborhood that's just for rich people or a ghetto that's just for poor Ooh, people. Of course. Um, and it's going to be a density of 54 people per hectare. The city's OCP goal is 50 per hectare, so that's their minimum goal. Mm -hmm. So dream with Coopertown is just skirting over top of the, uh, the, the barest minimum that the city hopes for. Uh, the street layout is going to be a modified grid. Yeah. So it looks kind of curvy, but it doesn't have the same uh, the same sort of like dead ends and lack of cut throughs that. Uh, right. And you can see it when you look at the neighborhood on the map. You look at the neighborhood that is juxtaposed with the two on the the east and the south, and they're you know terrible you know, 1980s suburban design gotcha. of the worst style. Uh, most of the streets are going to have alleyways, so they're not going to be having snout houses with the garages out front. And they're going to have architectural codes, um, a required parking off the alleyway, so that we're not going to get a lot of, again, to guarantee no snout houses, and landscaping requirements, so wow. that the houses will be landscaped in a timely fashion instead of sitting weed-covered for a long time. So this all looks great. Right. But... Laneway Suites. I don't know if they're going to get Laneway Suites. We're still in the Laneway Suite pilot project phase. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope. hope. Well, I mean, you, you, you know my feelings on Laneway Suites. You're appalled by them. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, if I, when I see a Laneway Suite, uh, I mean, I just, I, I just reach for my, like, you know, my gallon of gasoline and my, my matches. Mm -hmm. And your Laneway Suite gun. <laughs> my Laneway Suite gun. Yeah. That's right. That's, uh, which is, shoots little laneway suites. Yes. And nullifies them. It's like anti-laneway suites. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. And if that, and if that, if, yeah, that's the first line of defense. And if the, that doesn't work because uh, they, they never do, uh, then I burn them down. Good. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do my best. Well, anyways. Anyway, sorry. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, the laneway suite question is, is a good one and it's open. I don't know if they're going to get them. It would be a really good way to get there. Uh, population density above 54 mm. people per hectare. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the other question that the only councillor seemed to be asking, it was Councillor Stevens from Ward 3, is how much is this going to cost us? The goal has always been growth pays for growth. So we have servicing agreement fees, SAF, SAFs they call them, uh, where a developer is building an area, he has to pay to, she has to put in the services, the pipes and the electrical and everything that's going to be in the roads that are going to be serving this area. Uh, so they uh, they have to pay to get that stuff built and uh, the maintenance of it is going to come off of the um, property taxes. Uh, but Councillor Stevens was asking about the whole process, the, like the whole cost of uh, building a place like Coopertown. And I have clipped out a little bit of what he had to say on that subject. Ooh. 
Thank you, uh, through you, Your Worship. Um, I had a chance to go back to the overall uh, concept plan, um, look specifically at this neighborhood plan, spoke with Mr. Carlson earlier about uh, this specific pr proposal. It, it seems exciting. In the past, I've raised some concerns about, or rather a question about how we're charting out this growth pace for growth. So you can kind of anticipate my line of questioning here in terms of the financial implications. If we read the report, like many other reports that come from the Planning Commission, it talks about SAFs, infrastructure, but typically silent on operational expenses. So I want to I push this a bit more. I, I know the answer, but I, I have um, some direction where I want to take this. I understand that administration is supposed to be coming back in 2021, 2022 with, if you will, a methodology for costing concept and neighborhood plans. Am I correct in that? Ms. Harlock? That's correct. Great, thank you. So my, my concern here is actually going ahead with something as, as beautiful as it looks until I have more information. That's my, my reservation because the big issue has been making sure that growth pays for growth. And second, we have a bit of an information deficit when it comes to uh, these neighborhood plans. So by comparison, when I'd asked for the Southeast uh, neighborhood plan through an undertaking to give me a rough estimate of the costing, um, and I'm very thankful for administration's work on that. I know it wasn't easy. This is some of the findings. I'll read it. The estimated annual revenue analysis is $32.1 million and the cost is $17.7 million, resulting in a net positive balance of $15.4 million. Great. Positive. I like that. Um, but there are some notable differences in the Southeast Neighborhood Plan which don't exist here. And I'll read further from the report. The SENP differs from other neighborhoods in Regina, uh, the Coopertown plan, the Harbor Landing in several ways. One, it includes a significant amount of industrial land uses within the Chuka Creek Business Park. It is serviced by infrastructure which is not maintained by the city of Regina. And third, some local infrastructure is permitted to be maintained privately. So would it be fair to say that if we took that out, Coopertown could feasibly be in a position to not be net positive without the industrial land and the, the infrastructure serviced and operated by third parties? Pretty hard to answer that on the fly like that right now. Or Even a speculation. But I'd have. ask you to keep your comments to Coopertown, yep. not not to Southeast Plan. Just keep yep. the distinction that the report tonight is only on Coopertown. Ms. Harlick? Uh, through your worship, <clears throat> obviously we want to look at the complete neighborhoods, and it is hard to speculate um, because as the plans build out, um, we, we get more refined um, plans that will give us better um, ideas and then we can project it out. Um, definitely the report that indicated the industrial does give that. But as a city of a whole, you have to look at the whole city. If we actually just looked at some of our existing neighborhoods right now and did uh, an analysis, they wouldn't actually be cost recovery um, because they don't have all of that. So from a city perspective, we want to make sure that we have a balance of residential and commercial um, that uh, will balance it's all it, itself out throughout the whole city. So like an 80-20 split is great, or 70-30. That's really what, as a city, we should be achieving to ensure that we have the right balance of residential and uh, industrial. Thank you. Um, I understand the balance. And as a, an interesting side point, but related, one of the delegations talking about the road renewal uh, discussion item later hinted at the fact that we're, we're growing, we're growing, we're building new roads, and yet some roads have deteriorated. So I'm, I'm starting to see this in the same conversation. So I'd like to promote a referral motion. 
that administration uh, return with a high-level assessment that identifies the operational costs and potential municipal revenues from both the concept and the neighborhood plan, the Coopertown concept and neighborhood plan. Uh, are you referring this report back as well? That's the, the whole report. <clears throat> okay. And to return to council with, with that assessment. This is a referral motion. It's not debatable. Uh, do, does everyone understand what uh, what is uh, being referred to here? All right. So that was Councillor Stevens asking questions about the cost of uh, Coopertown and if growth pays for growth. He asked for a referral motion to get an answer on that question. That referral motion uh, got one vote. Ooh. Councillor Stevens. Oh, no, wait. I think Councillor Brashani also voted yes oh, on that. It's, it's, so we are not going to get that report, but we can expect like a comprehensive plan, comma, report on full costing of neighborhoods sometime in like 2022 or something like that. Oh, I can't wait. Um, when Once much of Coopertown has been, you know, a big chunk of Coopertown has been built, uh, Harbor Landing West, the southeast neighborhood, mm. has been built out. So, you know just not get into these things as quick as you would expect yeah. um yeah so anyways that's where we are with cooperton well i was um it's funny because uh, you were you know, all this talk about cooperton i recently read an article in the leader post about the uh, looming budget crisis oh no uh, written by written by our, our good friend arthur white arthur yes Scrubby. uh but the thing the funny thing was is i was trying to read the article and find out more so i could talk about it but there is this animation playing in the middle of the article this this uh, ad uh was more interesting and or say terminally distracting there's this animated ad uh, for rogaine the, the hair growth really oh, really yeah um that the um the hair growth for man formula so they uh so they no longer look sort of like old and irrelevant and uh you know just generally sort of like the kind of people who are unable to say have sex with car show models right right because you, you, you want to look like that. Because if you're a man of a certain age, uh, you know that age when your, your hair begins to thin and, and your skin on your face starts to fall and threaten to, like, pull down like, no, around, well. like, around your ankles. Um, it behooves you to look as if you could just get up from your table at Montana's or wherever and, you know, and then go and have sex with a car show model. Uh, because I think that any sex you would have with a car show model would have to be on very short notice. Okay. Can you can you guess why? No, I cannot guess why because I've never had sex with a car show model, so I don't know. Urban sprawl. Oh no. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Urban sprawl. I mean, as long as you're developing like moose jaw sized carbuncles of developments on the edge of a town, uh, then you know, then you're encouraging more traffic, uh, more congestion. Uh, you know, more commuting and more need for cars. Therefore, more car shows. Sometimes car shows is popping up overnight so that manufacturers need car show models on like a last minute basis. And so, so you're working through your, like your cowboy meatloaf or whatever mm -hmm. at, at Montana's and your belt pager goes off. And you have to get up and go like right away because I mean those, those car show models they, they they don't have sex by themselves so you have to get there and do it right yeah with, you know, with them apparently um, anyway uh, but you so but you just don't really have the hairstyle to pull it off right and so you're so you're running out of Montana's and you're and you're going down a little path between the Montana's and the I believe the Applebee's on the other side yeah and you see your reflection and you see like your your bald sort of 
noggin and you, you catch sight of your sparse hair and like you know these like your your like those ancient pug-like jowls as your skin falls off your face and that moment you see what you are your heart just gives up perhaps out of this like mm, impulse just sort of mercy to spare yourself the humiliation of like throwing your like old bald body against like the sort of the sort of the mineral beauty of a car show model and just like fall to the ground anyway uh and you just you know and you're breaking breaking yourself there and so your body collapses on the path between the montanas and the applebees and there you are another middle-aged victim of regina's out of control urban development cycle huh that's wow yeah you've had some heavy thoughts i have on cooper town yeah um so i'm thinking of getting some rogaine apparently the ads are working then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. The leader post will be happy to hear this. <laughs> um, yeah, who knew? Who knew? Rogaine. It's been a while since I've even heard that word. Me too. I actually, t- to be honest, I was watching the ad now because it was just, it was going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I was like looking and I'm like, it was showing like hair follicles and like, <laughs> like little signs popping up saying growth pattern and whatnot. I'm like, what? And then showing how like, as the years go by and your skin gets thinner, your follicle gets closer. Like, you know, you have less follicle depth. Right. I'm like, why are they showing me all these things? And then suddenly there's a picture of a guy's semi-bald head and, like, with arrows, and then it says, Rogi. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And who knew it was so intricately and in, intimately interlinked I- indeed. with uh, Urban Sprawl. Right. And, uh, and I just think, I, I just want to say that men out there should not worry about car show models uh it's just it's just it's vanity please just yeah. just succumbing to vanity yep yep they'll see you for your true self exactly yep yep all right well thanks you're welcome yeah, that's uh well that's it for cooperstown although i'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot more oh i'm sure and my my receding hairline um but we have to move on with the agenda to innovative revenue tools sweet yeah uh, so innovative revenue tools, those are those tools that the city could be using to deal with its budget crisis. That isn't just, hey, let's jack up the property taxes again. Let's do something innovative. Nice. I came up with something called in- inventive money devices. Ooh. Yeah. But it sounds like you IMDs. got it all covered. Yeah. Oh, no, I got it all covered with an innovative oh, revenue tool nice. here. You may have heard uh, the thunderstorm last night. I guess I, it would have been this morning. There, there was a thumping in the pipes, which yeah. I put in the vents, which I suppose was the thunderstorm. Yeah. Well, uh, the government's weather wizards report that this was a heck of a weather event. Really? This storm was big. Yeah. yeah. 5,600 counted lightning strikes in the city, which is higher than average. Wow. No, not a record. I guess 40,000 many, many years ago was the record. Jeez. But, yeah. But 5,600 is still, like, a noteworthy amount of lightning yeah. strikes. There were actually, like, it was clear that many of them were, like, within city limits. Yeah. So, it was, yeah. so uh, we, as everybody knows, climate change is a thing. It's real. Yep. Uh, and it's going to be changing weather patterns. We, um, you know, stormy weather could be on our horizon more and more. More of mm. these lightning strikes more often. Right. Many people say climate change is a bad thing. Other people think, hey, maybe this could be an innovative revenue tool. Right. Maybe we can grow oranges here. Yeah. That will rot from the core. So, um, I was I had a sit down this morning with the uh, the Necro Resource uh, Utilization Workshop. 
Yeah. Nice. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, first thing, every meeting, talk about the weather. Yep. Uh, but one of the things, the agenda items, was the fact that uh, Regina Cemetery, near capacity. Oh. And we were thinking, lots of lightning strikes. Right. Full cemetery. Right. What we need to start doing is dragging our dead out into the streets. Nice. So that they can be struck by lightning and reanimated. Oh. And this will provide us with extra workforce, more taxes. Oh, it's good to have a tax base. Always great to have a tax base. Fill up Cooperstown. Yeah. Yeah. Even, sp- even if we could fill up Cooperstown with Cooper. the undead. We would have no shortage of people buying those houses on the greenfield right. if we bring back our dead. So, uh, yeah, that's our innovative revenue tool. Bring back oh. the dead, sell them houses in Cooperstown. I was thinking of staging uh, like a production of Our Town in Cooperstown. With the undead? With the undead. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, if that doesn't catch on, like the wildfire that it should. It should. Uh, we've got some more right now. Ooh. Hi, I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know... In 1913, the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway began construction of the Chateau Coppel, a luxury hotel that was to be 10 stories tall. World War I broke out a year later, and due to a labor and material shortage, the project was halted. Grand Trunk would later go bankrupt, and the building was left incomplete. The Royal Saskatchewan Museum now sits on the former site of the Chateau Coppel. The museum is angled because it would be much easier to use the foundation built for the hotel than to dig it up and start all over again. It's Regina Fact. You'll find more Regina Facts on my blog, kentondeyoung.com. And every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools Whoa. and from a Regina Fact nice. by our good friend Kenton DeYoung. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that Kenton Excuse has uh, found another Regina Fact. Although it feels like I've heard that one before. Yeah. Maybe I keep forgetting to bring in a new cassette. Or maybe it's because, and this is a Kenton DeYoung fact. Uh-huh. And he actually, he's, he's, a, he's a master wordsmith, as we he know. He is. But he actually has mass, like an Olympian task of only using 15 different words. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's actually why a lot of his stuff sounds familiar, because he only uses these 15 words to choose from. Wow. He um, Plus prepositions. You know, and I saw his talk on uh, the uh, mm-hmm. the flu, the Spanish flu. Yeah. Uh, what he really makes those fifteen words work. I know. And if you want him to use like more words, like, he literally charges like yeah. I think it's three dollars for every five new words. Yeah. No, it was it was a little frustrating because there were so many stops in his talk. <laughs> right. And like the little basket would get passed around. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "You want more? You pay." Yeah. Yeah. You want more and pay are all those in the 15 words. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, moving on from from Kenton, uh, we have a couple of tweets to cover. Oh, I want to hear about it. Okay. um, First off, um, most of the tweets actually uh, refer to uh, the show we were uh, filling in on, the... uh, the just drawn that way. Oh, Dustin B. We that I that we dreamt about. We dreamt about. Yes, the tweets from tweets uh, referring to a dream that we had. Okay, um, a shared dream, obviously, uh, and they are all from um, a couple of insufferable pedants who uh, who are quibbling with the pronunciation of uh, Neil Gaiman. Okay, who are these insufferable pedants? Um, one is uh, Trevor Aikman, Trakeman on mm-hmm. Twitter, or should I call him Trevor Aikman? 
<laughs> Take that, you insufferable pedant. Uh, and also the other one is uh, Land Schmutzy Morgan. Um, they say, I, they're listening, and they say, I keep saying Gaiman over here just to balance things out. Okay, so what are we supposed to say and what were we saying? Because I wasn't really we paying were attention saying in either case. Gaiman. Uh-huh pronouncing it because of looking at the AI. They claim Gaiman. Um, they are insufferable pedants, though, mm-hmm. and should not be listened to. All right. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, however, when, when I'm done here, they will order some uh, pork skewers that I can have because I'm very hungry. Yeah, so am I. I am. Yeah, just 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 to Get let you in behind the scenes <laughs> of of the of the QCIB. I often eat a pork skewer or two afterwards. Uh, you know, I uh, it's it's funny. I would have read uh, Sandman mm-hmm. back in the days before we had the internet, and right. uh, I guess I was in graduate school, so I was surrounded by insufferable pedants, but nobody knew how to pronounce his name. Right. Well, I always used to say Neil Gaiman, and then somebody said Gaiman one day, and I thought, oh, God, I've been saying it wrong for years. Yeah. I don't know. I've probably been saying it back and forth all this time. It's been decades. Oh. I don't know. Are we in trouble? We're not in trouble, uh, but I do have pork skewers. Awesome. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. Thank you. I, I would like to take credit for it, but I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have another tweet, um, which is actually relevant to our current meeting. Okay. Um, it's from uh, the official Capital Pit Hole Monitor, uh, a.k.a. Madeline Sheridan. Oh, hey, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. And she says, of Coopertown, more importantly, why is the city naming its latest expansion after our friend's dog, Cooper? He's a great dog. He's, a, he's the best dog. He deserves... I, I believe he was yeah. in line to be uh, the mayor of Moose Jaw, but then when they realized that dogs can't run cities, they said, "We'll we'll give you a we'll give you a development." Mm-hmm. They were going to name a park after him, right? But then you know anybody who meets Cooper knows this is a dog who needs more than just a park exactly. named after him. And this is why Cooper Town has such a disproportionate number of fire hydrants. Yes, <laughs> Cooper will feel right at home yes. in Cooper Town. Hopefully, yeah. So, you probably want to know what else happened at that council meeting. I really do. I really, really do. You do. You don't. I don't. It's okay. I don't, but... It's okay. You, thanks for feigning interest. Um, road renewal. Renewal. Oh. That's what I'm calling this segment. Road renewal. Renewal. Oh, I, hope, I wish we had theme music for that. I wish we did, too. Oh. Uh, so, what happened was, uh, we have this thing called the Residential Road Renewal Program. And it is a 1% mill rate increase that we get. So that's like a 1% property tax increase every single year. Mm-hmm. And the money that's raised from that 1% goes into a fund that covers the repair and replacement of residential roads that are in bad shape. Uh, that's been going on for, I think, six years we've mm-hmm. had this. I was spearheaded by Councillor Young, seconded by Councillor right. Hawkins yep. uh, in their first term. Uh, they came up with this. Uh, Councillor Young is from Ward 2, which has some... Well, it, it leads the city for cruddy roads. Oh, yeah. It, they're uh, terrible. The Whitmore Park area, there's there's some roads there that are just, like... Basically defy, gravel. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, exactly. They defy... Like, you would think you would, like, end up in, like, a suburb in the developing world. Well, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, no, they are, they are appalling. Um, 
So this has been going on for six years. Uh, there has been some concern that the pace of uh, road renewal has been uh, too slow mm. and that uh, not enough of the really the worst roads are getting dealt with with this money. Uh, many reasons for that. One of them is that uh, the administration pointed out, you know, we can't just focus on the poor roads. We need to use some of this money for some preventative maintenance on fair roads. And so right. they were entrusted with designing a work schedule to uh, to use this money. Uh, and Councillor Young uh, pushed after some reports, uh, ag- concurred that the pace of development, or sorry, of renewal has been slow, uh, pushed to have another looky. Have another looksy looksy at the road renewal program and perhaps rejig it. And that's what was accomplished at this meeting. Uh, they've changed the formula so that uh, of that $1 that's being spent on road renewal, uh, the poorest roads are going to be prioritized. Mm. And um, Councillor Young added a further amendment, several amendments to it, uh, to uh, like more focus in on the poor roads. Uh, the main amendment that she brought forward at the council meeting was uh, that the city administration will set a reasonable goal to rebuild poor residential roads and allocate sufficient funds to meet that goal until the backlog of poor roads is significantly reduced. And uh, there will be a report about how to do this. It will be coming forward at the uh, during the 2019 budget deliberations, which are going on right now and it will be implemented in the 2020 budget. Uh, It's going to take like a year to pull this off. But anyways, what I have compiled here is a little uh, a montage of the discussion that came out of this. Much of this is uh, people discussing uh, Councillor Young's this amendment that I just talked about just now. So I'm going to play that for us right now. Public Works felt, um, as our delegations have tonight, that the it's too long to wait. When you talk about 35, 40, 76 years to wait for your road to be fixed that's already been there for 50 years, that's too long to wait. And you're paying that 1% in extra to get that road work done on the residential streets. And we just felt that it was much too long of a, a a wait whenever you do have a poor road. So we really feel that something else needs to be done. There needs to be changes uh, made. We need to do things differently. We need to take another look at this. The intention of the original road renewal program was to fix those poor roads, and we're not getting there with the path that we're on. Thank you, uh, Councillor Vice, uh, Councillor Young. I have an amendment to the um, recommendations that come with CR 1876, but I want to comment before you take it away. So um, we heard tonight of some new neighborhoods that are coming in, and we've had a lot of new neighborhoods, and they would fit into that excellent road category that's been added. Um, And when those are finished and the developer leaves and people move in, those roads become the city's responsibility. So this large network is growing every year and in need of long-range plans that deals with residential roads and their underground infrastructure from maintenance to rebuild and repair over the life of the roads. So this amendment asks that this road network be part of long-range plans for roads and waterworks and not be dependent on just the 1% mill rate that has resulted in a fund to address roads. That fund's been used mostly for maintenance and some rebuilds. 
Um, this amendment asks that residential roadways be a priority across budget areas that deal with roads and underground infrastructure. Councilor Stevens, on the amendment? Yes, thank you. Um, I support the amendment. I was wondering if I could get some word from the administration on what the implications are in terms of managing the road renewal budget, investment. Walk us through what this amendment means to administration in terms of capacity. How would we fulfill a new definition and what kind of expenditure and uh, human resources would that require? Through your worship, um, it is a difficult question to answer. It will depend on the strategy that's selected to and the pace in which would be approved to go forward. What I can tell you, if we increase the number of poor roads, it does substantially increase the amount of capacity that we would need. A typical road rebuild project, so that's typically what would happen to a road in poor condition, uh, takes four months to complete, in addition to about one year for design ahead of time. So increasing the amount of projects of that size certainly will require additional capacity, not only internally, but also from contractor forces. Thank you. Um, a change like this will certainly affect the utility or the undergrounds. The funding that comes from the 1% only goes to the roadway portion. On a rebuild project, about every dollar spent on the roads requires an equal dollar to be spent on the undergrounds. So therefore, the budgets that are required from the utility will change. Um, the need will change. And we currently don't have a mechanism within the uh, utility other than to increase utility rates to find that funding. Thank you. And, and one follow-up question just for clarity's sake and since we have an audience here, going forward this means looking at uh, taxation, the mill rate, as well as utility rate increases to fund a program like this, correct, in that broader conversation. Excuse me? Through your worship, um, to do more poor roads, yes, I think it's correct to say we'll require more budget than has currently uh, been built through the 1% to date. Okay. Just wanted to make sure everyone got used to that reality if we go ahead with a more ambitious program. I'll go to Councillor Dow. Uh, thanks, Mr. Mayor. There's <clears throat> a question that was posed by the first delegation. As to wonder why we got here, I've heard a couple comments from the floor of council about that. I want to speak a little bit about history, about some things that are done, and I'm going to challenge the audience as well. The first one is uh, probably around 1990, not just in Regina, but in Canada, there came to be a famous phrase. It was called deferred maintenance. You see what happened was a lot of the roads that were built in the 60s and 70s were still not bad in 1990 or 93. And so as a way of keeping taxes down, councils of the day said, oh, uh, let's defer that maintenance, we do it later. No one complained because their taxes were down. About 2010, 28, uh, 2008, 2010, started to be a national discussion. And so in Regina, we hosted two national infrastructure summits. The idea was one to inform the public, of, first of all, what infrastructure was but also to engage both federal and provincial governments that they have a role to play in solving the issue. As currently in Saskatchewan, no different than any other province, we have about 82% of the population living in urban settings, and we provide services for the rest of the province. So what we tried to do during those infrastructure summits was in, invite uh, senior orders of government to have a look at infrastructure and infrastructure funding. By that I mean, if we only look at the property tax base as a means to look after these things, you and I can't afford it. 
Now, you may have followed recently in the federal government, this federal government, the other one did, is doing a similar one. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but they have announced uh, infrastructure funding. It's a big deal, and it's in the billions of dollars. But true to form, it's typically for new shiny objects. So you have a role to play. All of these people who, by the way, understand the problem, all of these people who clearly understand the problem, but now you have a role to play as well. In the next little while, some people are going to come knocking on your door, and they'll want your support. I suggest you ask them what's their view of helping municipalities solve old infrastructure problems with a share of their tax revenue that you are already paying, by the way, and where people are living, and that therefore that's how we also together can solve the problem. You're not hearing anything surprising on here because this is not shocking. This is not shocking. And if you leave it just to this level here, just to do it, I'm sorry, there's going to be a discussion about dollars and cents. It's going to boil down to that. So you have a role to play here as well. Thanks. All right. So that's uh, that was some of the discussion around uh, the road renewal program. And uh, I think it's really cool that uh, City Council has a square dance band. It's uh, been it's been a, really appreciated, especially wow. during these long discussions about really tedious uh, subjects. Uh, I can, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe even different styles of music. Yeah, in future, possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, I do have to say I'm impressed that you know the city assistant city clerk. She's got a lot of work to do there mm-hmm. already with you know like controlling the screen and you know taking right. minutes, and yet she still manages to get out the uh, the square dance calls. Nice, yeah, nice. Who, uh, I, I added those out, yeah. obviously. Uh, apparently, apparently uh, some of the staff there can do a mean jug band. They can. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We are the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking about uh, the road re- residential road renewal program. Um, so, out of that whole discussion, I think there were two, two key points that I just want to highlight. The first one is how, uh, when the program came forward to put 1% of the uh, mill rate increase towards road renewal, create this fund, uh, that money goes to the roads to fix the roads, to fix the sidewalks. Right. Uh, but every time you go to fix a road, you've also got to fix the stuff that's underneath the road. That money is not covered by this 1%. Oh, okay. So that's been coming out of your your utility budget. Um, and, like, not every single time, but what they're saying is that for every dollar they spend on roads, they're spending another dollar on water, waterworks. The other thing is that we do not have, like, another any other sources of revenue apart from property taxes uh, because this city council refuses to listen to the Queen City Improvement Bureau. And it's many improvements and revenue tools. So I think if they got on that, we'd see a dramatic improvement in our bottom line. Um, So anyways, uh, I did hang around after the meeting to talk to the mayor, snuck into the scrum, put on my fake uh, reporter hat uh, to ask him about, you know, are there any plans to mm. come up with new sources of revenue? And I thought I'd play what he had to say in response. Let's hear it. This is another time where we're bumping up against the limits of what we can accomplish with uh, municipal property taxes. Exactly. Uh, do we have a plan to find new revenue sources for uh, road renewal? We have a plan, and since we've talked about this with the province, 
but the, we are a creature of the province. Under the Cities Act, they created us. They can amend what they want. They can give us new sources of revenue if they'd like to do that. Uh, those conversations happen a lot, but it's, it's a hard road to go through. It really is. It's difficult to, to get agreement that, that we could have a new source of revenue uh, that would help us ease the, the, the tax burden of people. It's very difficult to do that. Most of the relief we've had, sorry, just, just to continue, most of the relief that we have had on the infrastructure side is federal provincial infrastructure money. But as I said tonight, it does not apply to local roads. It doesn't apply to lots of things that we actually do. So you know, we get eight cents of every tax dollar collected comes to cities. That is not a good way to be running any, any order of government to provide the kind of services that we have. It just it means we're, our hands are tied in many ways, and we may have to make very, very difficult choices. What seems to be the big roadblock, as it were, to getting the provincial government to understand that the city needs new revenue to solve this problem? You have to ask them that question. We talk to them a lot, and, and uh, you know, uh, um, they have said from time to time that uh, they don't want to see taxes increase. I'd rather see them go down. And I understand that they say they give us revenue sharing, which should answer all the questions. And, and in some ways, it does, but in other ways, it doesn't do that either. It is simply is it's a, it's a generous program that has worked very well. But it doesn't answer everything that we need because, because we're becoming more complex all the time. We have lots of, of new things we're doing. Recycling program is just one of those examples of that, that we have a lot of things happening. We are investing in infrastructure. Those are multi-million dollar projects that are difficult to, to do. If the federal government and province decide they want to do an infrastructure project and they want the, the city to become involved, we have to shift our priorities and our spending around for that. So we really don't have you know, the, the baseline for, for any kind of sustained uh, investment that we'd like to see if we had uh, more tax tools in our, in our toolbox. From where you're sitting, when you're speaking with uh, provincial representatives mm -hmm. about um, road renewal, for instance, and just infrastructure renewal, mm -hmm. is it your impression that they believe that the amount of revenue sharing that the city is receiving is sufficient to handle all of the uh, priorities that we have? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say that they, they tend to say that, that, uh, that they have, they've transferred a large amount of money, and they have, and there's no disputing that, uh, to municipalities. Uh, but they don't say that that should be everything you should ever ask for and stop asking us. No, not, not at all. Um, they have to get their, as they're saying, their priorities to get their budget deficit in order. And that seems to be the priority, and I respect that as an order of government as well. They've got to do that. It just makes for much tougher choices for, for municipalities, for cities, to um, invest in, in, in people and buildings and infrastructure the way we, we could do if we had more more gas tax or another source of revenue that, that, that would be independent of, of the province. So we did, would come in, we could dedicate it to our priorities. All right, so that was Mayor Fougere after Monday's council meeting talking about uh, the difficulty that the city is having getting a uh, getting an additional revenue stream out of the provincial government. Yes. <laughs> I think um, the underlying story there is how the obstacle is the province. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought I thought uh, Fougere did not want to say so, but I, you know, obviously they, they go to the province and say we need new sources of revenue. We need to find new ways of doing this, and the province is like, well, why? Because yeah. we because we don't have a lot of money. Well, why? Yeah, I, I just, we gave you money. We gave you money. Why do you need money? Yeah, uh, this is this is what I'm thinking. Well, they're saying, then the cities and Fougere says. Well, we could raise taxes, and they're like, no, don't do that. Yeah. And it just goes round and round. Yeah. It's, it feels a little bit like conversations with parents. 
right. when you're a youth and you're like yes. you go to the comic book store and they've given you a nickel Mm-hmm. But comics cost 25 cents, as oh, they did man. back in the day. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> They're like, I could have some more money. Why? For a comic. I gave you money for a comic. That's right. But they cost more than a nickel. So you're going to have to have some gum. Let's yeah. see. Uh, I found it interesting that these two things butt up against each other in this meeting, the uh, Coopertown and the road renewal. Yeah. The Coopertown is the new neighborhood where lots of new families are going to be moving in. There's going to be some roads that'll need, like, renewal at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who came out to talk about the need for uh, more road renewal, more speedy road renewal, the people from Whitmore Park, um, a lot of gray hair in that crowd. I don't want to be ageist, but... But they were old. (laughs) They were old. Uh, Councillor O'Donnell talked about the 90s when uh, there was a lot of deferred maintenance going on. A lot of roads weren't being made better to keep the taxes down. People in Whitmore Park with the cruddy roads are the people who benefited from those low taxes, those 0% tax increases that they got. And uh, now they're coming out saying that we need to renew the roads. Right. They're saying that we let our chickens go, and now they come home to roost. Yeah. Do and we're talking... Sympathy here? Well, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, because we want to see the roads better, and we want to, we want growth to pay for growth. Mm. But you can understand how there's a bit of a conflict here between the, you know, the, the maintenance that should have been paid. This is, you know, all that stuff when they say, oh, you know, we're, we're running up a tab, and we're going to make our children pay for it. The bill's coming due right, right now. And you alluded to the uh, the budget process, uh, the talk about the budget that came out of the executive committee meeting on Wednesday, uh, basically saying that uh, the city's uh, kind of not in a great fiscal position. That uh, salaries are going up; uh, they're going to increase by six million dollars uh, if they follow recent patterns. Uh, there's no new sources of uh, income. The grants in lieu are not coming back. So mm-hmm. as a result those two factors we're looking we're staring down the muzzle of a 4.3 percent mill rate increase right now just to keep things going the way they are uh if the capital budget if the city does everything that it's saying it wants to do that's a gap of another 31 million dollars in 2019 alone uh this is a lot of money to make up and then we had on top of this the road renewal renewal they want to make the roads they want to get the poor roads fixed up faster right to do that on a 25, 30-year high horizon to get like 80% of the roads up to, you know, an acceptable standard, mm-hmm. that's going to require another percent increase every year. So instead of a 1% mill rate increase to deal with roads, we're talking a 2% mill rate increase on top of the 4% that we're going to need just to cover our spending priorities. Yikes. So it's a big bill, and everybody's like, why can't we have a 0% mill rate increase? Well, this is why. Well, I mean, just wait till like City Hall and Briggs falls into the Capitol Point hole, and then we'll have some other bill. Exactly. So that's it. That was the result of this council meeting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, and oh, pot. The pot bylaw didn't happen. Did not happen. No. But there was apparently there was one holdout. Guess. Who could it be? Yeah. Could I make a pun? No, it was Hawkins. Yeah, it was totally yeah. Hawkins. Yep. Hawkins voted against it. So when a bylaw comes forward for approval, it has to get unanimous assent the first time it goes 
uh, on the third reading the first time it goes before council and uh, it didn't get that Councillor Hawkins voted against so it will come back in a month's time this is kind of like this is the sober second thought mm -hmm. that a city council has instead of having right. a senate if a bylaw doesn't get a unanimous assent it has to wait a month people think about it and then it comes forward and then it only needs a majority to pass so mm -hmm. that will happen in august still in the nick of time for legalization in october right well let's here's hoping that people can get their pot because that's a thing we need yes yeah <laughs> in this city more the better exactly yes. well it's a source of revenue hopefully uh, for what yeah Okay, so that's it. I think we should, you know, the the adjournment thing that we do. Yes. Well, I, uh, I following Robert's rules of order, uh, I move to adjourn. I second well, that motion. Motion is carried. This meeting is adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Your hosts are Paul Deschen, Aidan Morgan, music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, our guest tonight, none. You're not having a guest tonight. And show up. Oh well, but there were some pedants telling us how to pronounce British comics, which was which was nice. Uh, yes, find us on Twitter at Queen City IB or on Facebook. Also on our website, QueenCityIB.com. You can find us on a podcast on iTunes or CJTR.ca/podcasts. We are broadcast live Thursdays, seven to eight p.m., and we broadcast Monday mornings from nine to ten a.m. Coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by the cockpit, and then a night of music. That's all. Keep on improving, Regina.